Is that what I'm saying? Rough Trade Radio. 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 guys it's it's definitely not emily it's george of all people george from rough trade nyc that's right the powers that be at rough trade international headquarters that's that giant skyscraper in the middle of london you've seen it um they've decided to let me host the podcast this week because emily is on holiday um some say she's in new england i've heard new york um the weirdest one is that she's on a Weezer cruise. That's like, you know, a bunch of Weezer fans get on a big boat and play like Weezer bingo and stuff like that, um, which is cool. You know, no judgment. That's what she's down with. That's I totally support that. Um, but the important thing is I'm here to bring you this week's podcast, and it's going to have a little bit of the Rough Trade NYC flavor. We have some great stuff. Um, my colleague Ed Zed sat down and interviewed Charlie XCX. That Ed Zed, Charlie XCX, there's a lot of end of alphabet consonants getting together there. That's going to be great. I got to sit down and fanboy out with Ride, which was amazing. I was, it was so exciting. I mean, I don't know if it was as exciting for them. I think it was kind of standard. Here's an awkward dork asking us questions. Um, but for me, very exciting. So we're going to play some of that. And uh, we still got a little UK flavor. We got Rob from the UK is dropping by to tell us about some of the reissues of uh, Note that you should be excited about. When I say dropping by, he's not really coming here. We just have a recording of him talking about reissues. Um, and besides that, we're just going to play some great you know, new releases. We're going to just enjoy each other's company. So without further ado, let's let's listen to something. I mean, besides me, um, let's... Let's play a track off what is probably one of the more significant new releases of this past week. That would have to be the new one from Big Thief. Big Thief coming so strong in 2019. This is their second album and second really good album. This is the, the new one's called Two Hands. It's just so great to hear a band firing at all cylinders. And this track is a standout for me. It's called Forgotten Eyes and it goes a little like this. Bruce. 
right, that is Big Thief um, featuring the lovely Adrian Linker, um, super prolific songwriter, gorgeous voice, um, just breathtaking all around. Going to switch gears and play another new release. This is a band called Wives. Wives are a Queens-based four-piece. They kind of do a grungy, um, dark kind of garage thing definitely a very cool sound we we had the pleasure of hosting them for an in-store last week which was very cool they put on a great show um they were a little cheeky because i had to tell them there was a there was kind of like a cutoff time because we had also scheduled a nick cave listening party for his forthcoming album and um then they during the end of their set said we gotta we gotta finish up because there's a nick cage listening party um i mean if only we were so lucky that nicholas cage was you know a recording artist on top of being you know a wonderful actor here's to hoping um but in the meantime you know we'll just enjoy wives his new album we have it on purple magenta vinyl and they were also kind enough to leave these very cool autographed art prints that if you purchase the album at Rough Trade NYC, we can uh, send you out one of those. So um, let's get to it. This is coming off of their album, So Removed, and this track is called Hit Me Up. <laughs> Okay, going down, going over anyway. You're 
lives and and am I was I right? I mean, it's good. Those those kids got it. Not to mention, I get excited anytime a New York City band describes themselves as Queens based, because as a Queens resident, I live in Astoria, and I've been in bands. Um, it's 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 not really cool to say you're Queens based. It's like you should probably just lie and say you're Brooklyn based, because you know. Brooklyn, Brooklyn, Brooklyn. But the reality of it is, it's like Queens. It's 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 a hotbed of undiscovered, you know, rock action. So it's great to see a band like Wives breaking through and doing their thing. Speaking of doing things, Rob from the UK, he does this thing. It's called Reissue Roundup. I don't know if he calls it that. I'm I'm calling it that now. I wish I could like put together a jingle that played right now, but I I don't have the time. Um, or maybe I do. It's reissue roundup right here with Rob. He's gonna tell you about all the old albums that have come back in print. That's what Rob does. Hello, it's Rob again with another roundup of some reissue records. Uh, had a little week off, been on holiday, I've got a full inbox, and those emails aren't going to delete themselves. So, without further ado, here's a quick little roundup of some records that have been reissued lately and upcoming. Kurt Vile's breakout record is 10 years old. We're talking about Childish Prodigy, his first record on Matador. And I'd say the record where we really started to formulate who Kurt Vile actually is. You know, the man with the greatest cheer in the game. Some real highlights on this. It's out on blue vinyl, light blue vinyl, don't forget that, uh, with the original 7-inch, which came with the original. Look, we got tracks like Hunchback, if you're lucky, he's going to play that live uh, still today. He's all right. And, of course, uh, Freak Train, which is a fine little kraut rock track, which he never plays live. I think I saw it once uh, on Smoke Room for my Halo tour. That's how long ago he was playing this. Uh, Charles Prodigy, good to go back and uh, remember where it all kind of started to go right for the boy. Look, I've been doing these a few weeks now. We're getting to know each other. And I can't reiterate enough that if it's a Japanese ambient release, if it's got the Obi strip, if it's out on Lie in the Attic, just pick it up. No questions asked. Just pick it up because you're about to go into a special little place. Um, Empire of Signs, which is a label um, run by uh, Visible Cloaks, which is Spencer Doran and Maxwell August Croin. Now, Spencer Doran, he was the guy who curated that amazing Japanese ambient and environmental compilation. Oh, so sorry for this uh, pronunciation. Kankyo Gongaku, uh, Japanese Ambient Environmental and New Age Music, 1980-1998. That's the one that Light in the Attic put out at the start of the year and probably kind of started the ball rolling on how interesting and amazing this genre could be. So... Um, there's a couple of releases. Inuyama lands commissions 1977-2000, which uh, takes the work of Makoto Inohu and Yasushi Yamashita, and they made over a few decades some really nice ambient environmental music. Um, and it takes um, 
stuff that they made for um, the Kaku Sense Museum in Miyagi, and uh, which is a, a exhibit of slime molds <laughs> as well at the National Museum of Nature and Science. This stuff is like you feel like you're in a little cryogenic chamber. I actually think that you should be prescribed this music because it really does make you feel a lot better. It's like it cleanses the soul. It's really quite wonderful. It's really lovingly put together, this vinyl package. I really recommend picking it up. And to finish up, we have two 200-gram vinyl reissues of the only records from Dukes of Stratosphere, 25 O'Clock, which is a, well, it was a lovely little mini-album, and the pop opera Sonic Sunspot. A real, real fun story, this. Now, Dukes of Stratosphere were actually XTC, but released 25 O'Clock as a complete unknown mysterious band. Virgin uh, put it out as a lost collection of psychedelic tracks on April the 1st, 1985. Of course, the band were actually uh, Andy Partridge's XTC, who um, went to the studio with John Leckie and produced a collection of songs with only three rules. So they were, uh, they must follow the conventions of 1967 and 1968 psychedelia with no more than two takes allowed, vintage equipment wherever possible and they went in and they made this collection of records which sound like some lost pebbles or nuggets comps um really good british psychedelia and i think the aim was to what they said was uh, they wanted to do something that was a bit sid barrett a little bit beatles-esque if you think a bit revolvery and so they came up with this sort of amalgamation of all these sort of um the sound of this of a very experimental 60s band but of course they're experimental 80s band and it allowed them to be quite fun and so rather than be very serious which is what they were they felt like they would be at the time it man it allowed them to be a bit silly because that's when XTC were at their best 25 o'clock actually ended up selling better than the record that they put out as XTC um, themselves at the time even though uh, they were unknown as that band um I'm going to play you a song from 25 O'Clock, which is the title track, and this is that. I'll see you next week. Together till the
Oh my goodness, are you kidding me? The Dukes of Stratosphere, 25 o'clock? That is a jam. Rob, I salute you for choosing that one. And just to, for highlighting the Dukes of Stratosphere, um, I grew up with an older brother that had those two EPs on one CD. And I think it's kind of funny that my introduction into that like deep British 60s psychedelia was actually an 80s British band like mimicking it you know um, like wonderfully but it's that's how I got there and and just recently I've been digging deep into XDC's English Settlement album which I hadn't really gotten into and now I'm like kind of falling in love with so Rob man we're connected I'm telling you this this wide ocean may separate us but the music will always bring us together am I right Rob Okay, let's transition into one of the fantastic interviews we were able to nail down here at Rough Trade NYC. This one was conducted by my colleague, Ed Zed. He had a chance to sit down with Charlie XCX. Now, here's something you should know about Ed Zed. He's, he's, he's a wonderful gentleman. He's one of our buyers. He is a fan of all things like technicolored and um, poptastic. That doesn't mean like that's his only musical vibe. Like he is into really challenging electronic music and crazy post-punk stuff and he's deeply rooted in punk but there is this sugary sweet soft spot that ed has for just a great pop song i mean i've heard him defend you know the duo shampoo from the 90s like he will vigorously defend shampoo you know so that's that tells you all you need to know. And he was so excited to get a chance to sit down with Charlie XCX because if you guys didn't know, that girl knows how to write a pop song. She's done it for herself. She's done it for other people. And Ed got a chance to sit down, ask her some questions. Here it is. Take it away, Ed. Hello, everyone. This is Ed Zed from Rough Trade NYC. I am very lucky to be joined today ahead of her meet and greet at our humble store by the one and the only Charlie XCX. Hello. Hello. Charlie, <laughs> thank you so much for joining me Thanks today. Thanks for having me. Uh, I know that time is of the essence, mm -hmm. so I'm just going to launch right in here. Get in there. So, as one of the most innovative figures in pop today, how do you feel about the current pop music climate, and do you see yourself as part of the mainstream? I feel good about the current pop music climate. I mean, I feel like pop music more than ever is so diverse. Right. Um, and, you know, there's such a huge cross-pollination of genres that anything is possible, really, and, like, pop can't really defi be defined by one sound or one artist. And um, I feel like when it comes to, like, you know, top 40 mainstream artists, even in that space, you know, the, the sound is, is getting... Uh, yeah, more and more interesting and progressive, and, and that's really great. And do I see myself as part of the mainstream? Um, I think I sort of like sit right on the fringe of mainstream and, and underground, which sometimes is quite a lonely place, but it's also quite a fun place to sit. So your new album, awesome by the way. Thank you. Uh, contains some intensely personal songs, and one of the most poignant I found uh, being 1999. Um, as a self-confessed workaholic, do you often find yourself yearning for a simpler time? 
Uh, it's funny. I mean, I don't feel that 1999 is a very personal song at all, but it is definitely nostalgic. Right. Um, do I wish for a simpler time? Um, I mean, sometimes I hate social media. I have a bit of a love-hate relationship yeah, with it. I think everyone does, <laughs> yeah, you yeah. know. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm. I think I'm. I think I kind of. I'm happy in this current time, but I do think I was like born in the wrong era. You know. Right. I do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Something I, I have shared and struggled with throughout my life, so I definitely go. relate to that. Okay. Yeah. Um, collaboration is clearly a very important part of your work, mm -hmm. and you choose your musical partners very carefully. Um, do you feel you express yourself best when you're, you know, singing or working solo or with others? I really, I really enjoy both, and I think both is a different experience. I mean, if, it's funny that like, this is a really personal album, and people have asked me like, how can it be so personal when there are so many collaborations? But right. I feel like, for me to collaborate with somebody, I have to know them really well, and I have to be comfortable to be fully open and honest and real with them. It's definitely so much more of a journey than that. So um, I think I can get deep on both levels if I want to. You know, it really just depends on the mood that I'm in. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. And as well as writing your uh, own material, you are a renowned songwriter for many other artists. And do you think you'll always be a performer yourself or could you see yourself maybe kind of gravitating more towards the kind of songwriting arena yeah I mean I love songwriting for other artists because it's like there's kind of no pressure like right. once you leave the studio you don't really have to do anything sure. you know which is great because I'm also quite I can be quite lazy sometimes so yes I definitely see a future for me where I'm um, no longer performing but um, right now I, I need to do both because I get so restless so maybe like in like 20 25 years maybe right. but like That's right now it's like I have to I have to be like creatively satisfied through multiple outlets Definitely. Um, now I know you're a fan of the band shampoo <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, as am I what are the chances of you getting Jackie and Carrie back together for a Charlie XCX shampoo collaboration? Uh, it's a nice idea, but probably zero, if I'm being really honest. Fair but enough. I like that you went and did the research and you know that I like shampoo. So that's cool. It was it was a chance thing, but you know, <laughs> I uh, love them. Sorry to crush your dreams. No, not at all. I just, yeah. <laughs> They're kind of an elusive pair as well right. like in the age of the internet it's sort of interesting that they've managed to kind of you know vanish um, mm. so much but um, I know that you have a, an unreleased punk album in the vaults and um, what I've heard of it is amazing uh, is the entire thing ever likely to see the light of day um probably not like not with me being the performer right maybe in another form um you know, like with another band, possibly, but sure. I don't think as a Charlie XCX thing it would ever come out. But it is good. It it's, is cool. It's, yeah. it's it's like dumb, but good. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's um, like all the best things. I think. Indeed. <laughs> Allergic to love. Yeah. Wow. When I heard that, I was like, ah, oh, I really want to hear more of it. That. Yeah. Well, cool. All there. <laughs> Watch this space. Uh, so speaking of punk, uh, I know that one of your icons is Susie Sue. Mm. Uh, how old were you when you discovered Susie and what was it about her specifically that drew you to her? Um, 
I was probably like 14 or something. Um, and I think it was because my dad was always talking about Sui Su. And um, I think initially it was her look that drew me to her, you know, before the music, just because um, her look was so um, iconic and like unique and something that I hadn't actually really seen before in my kind of like 14 year old like right. zone, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I remember I saw her on an award show once and she just was like the coolest person in the room by like 100%. Um, so yeah, and obviously she just has that energy that is so like witchy and like beguiling and it's it's really amazing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I feel. Um, so this may sound like a bit of a daft question. Great. But I am curious. Um, as someone who began her music career on MySpace, do you ever miss MySpace? No, I don't. <laughs> I don't. I mean, like, it was fun in the time, but I, if just, you know, like, being a nerd, I actually think, like, the interface is really, like, unuser friendly. Right. So, sorry for that boring, logical no, answer. Not at yeah. all. I just, uh, I was curious because, you know, I, 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 you know, kind of, you know, started my music career, I guess, such as it is on there. And there, uh, I don't know, there are times when I kind of occasionally go back to being like, oh, the, you know, the, old, the good old days. The simplicity of it, but <laughs> largely, yeah, it's, yeah, I'm good without it. Uh, thank you so much for answering yeah, my questions no today. Worries, it was thanks. a pleasure. Um, we always like to close out with a song. Uh, is there a selection you'd like to uh, play for us right now? One of mine or any? It can be anything you like. Oh, cool. Um, okay, I'll play um, a song called Door by Caroline Polachek because I think that's going to be one of my favourite albums of this year, if it comes out this year. She's great. Here it is. Charlie, thank you so much again. around the planet to prove what I was and the door slams hard behind you when you leave the house of judgment been waiting for regret to hit me some kind of recognition
Wow, see, this is why working at Rough Trade is so great. I mean, of course, the six-figure salary isn't too shabby. But to be able to get a chance to sit down in a room with an artist that you admire and respect, ask them some questions, hopefully not make a fool out of yourself, that's pretty special. And I think Ed did a great job um, digging into the Charlie XCX, what makes her tick. Me, maybe not so much with Mark and Laws from Ride. Um, I think I held my own, but, you know, a little nervous. Those guys, like, have so much respect for her. The early Ride albums were so formative for me growing up. I mean, I was a huge shoegaze fanatic, and and not to mention their hair. I mean, if you go back and look at nowhere-era pictures of Ride, you will not find four cooler heads of hair than those guys um i get a chance to talk to them ask them about the new album did not bring up their hair um but their new album this is not a safe place so great so great to see bands like slow dive ride doing some of the best work of their careers and it was great to talk to them so please forgive me for the awkwardness but here is me talking to ride asking them some stuff Rough Trade Radio. Well, this is George from Rough Trade. I'm here with um, Mark and Laws from Ride. Kind enough to swing by before tonight's show at Brooklyn Steel. Very exciting. Um, so, you guys were here, you know, signing copies of the new album. Yeah. I'm curious how you guys approached this album after like Weather Diaries. Was there like less pressure since it wasn't like the 20 year gap? With the second one, was it did it feel For looser? Sure. Or? Yeah, I think so. And, and I think. Um, in some way less variables because we kind of went we kept the same kind of team together mm -hmm. i with um errol and yep. alan Mulder, and went to the same sort of studio so i mean it was it was pretty you know weather diaries is quite strange to come back after that amount of time and record um but this one but it worked out really well so this kind of just continued on on with it really and yeah, it's probably we, more relaxed. Yeah. We started. So we've done all the weather diaries and the EP. Yeah, and, and we we're sort of kind of on a bit of a creative role, as mm -hmm. Mike says, working with this team. And it felt like we got all that out of our system as well. And this is really when it felt, felt like we really get into the, the heart of things, back mm -hmm. into the groove of yeah. Yeah, like, and without that sort of weight of like, oh, this is our first album for yeah, right. so many years. Yeah. It's like you know we've kind of broken that with weather diaries, and it kind of just set us up to be more like a working band again now. And this is like the next one next album that would be in a big kind of deal in the sense of like first one back yeah. for 20 years right you know? like, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I appreciated the, the the origin of the title and the the slashes and like the the hobo code as it were I, I was curious deep cut like are, is every title here with the code like are, are these additional yeah, codes we basically, <laughs> th these are the these are all authentic hobo um code signal signs right but um and we, we basically kind of sat down and try and kind of went for an aspect that was in some way related, related to, to now i can't remember them right off the bat but for example we like the fact that in the square one there that was four corners of, of something mm -hmm. the whole so r-i-d-e right and it represented the band and you know the four corners yeah um Future, we'd have to look them up, but they are they're thought I appreciate through, that. and it, whether it's visually like repetition, one followed by another slash, yeah. you know, it's 
it, they all they all they all have a meaning. So you can find the meaning, whatever it is. So we're learning. I mean, in case this this whole thing doesn't work out, and we could be back on the street. <laughs> so at least we'll, yeah. we'll know where the safe to find our way around. Stuff, so it's like yeah. kind so of few. All the listeners, you can you can <laughs> follow along at home on the the back of your ride album. Check out each track has a different code, the Hobo code. Um, they are related. Yeah. And and if um, you know maybe down the road if you if you pass ride um, on a on a on a car a train car you can uh, just look out for the three slashes because yes. yeah. it's not safe. <laughs> well, um, uh, maybe last question. As we are in a record store, we before we started the interview, we were talking a little bit about you know, origins of hip hop. Um, is there anything you guys are have been rocking lately that you want to you know pass on well, to our listeners? Reading that book can't stop, won't stop. Um, and, and the, it's about the, the, the story of hip-hop and what I've been really enjoying is reading that book and then every time a musical reference comes up yeah. or a film reference I watch the film or listen right. to the reference I'm absolutely loving that so I've been going into um, Grandmaster 5 and, and, and the Sugar Hill Gang mm. and, and some deep cuts that even influenced Africa Bambata mm. there's like mm. four, four records that went into Planet Rock and it's right. really fascinating to get into those like Craftwork, Craftwork and, yeah, 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 and there were some yeah. other ones as well like um, I think Rick James, there was a you know baseline or whatever, and it's just mm-hmm. yeah. So I'm having a great little um, sort of uh, kind of education, re-education, doing that. Yeah, lots of bunks rocking in the bus. <laughs> it's just like freestyle coming out of there all the time. <laughs> the, Mine's a the little quieter. So yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. What else? I kind of uh, X-ray. I like that girl from Daughter. I bought mm-hmm. her album recently. I thought yeah. it was really nice. Max Cooper, um, Billion Sounds or something. That's a good one. Uh, you were playing some Nils Fram the other day. Nils Fram is really great. Yeah, I mean, I, and I, I mean, I always loved sort of Bonobo, like more, like, you know, just those guys that create those lovely electronic moods. Mm-hmm. I think they do that really yeah, it's amazing. Good. Yeah, so I, I, I mean, that's it. Probably when you're in guitar yeah. and you tend to listen to stuff that isn't that, maybe just as a sort of balance, balance your ears a bit. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think we've always done that in a way. Um, but yeah, that's what I mean that on the playlist it would be possibly what people would expect to be on there. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks so much guys for swinging by. Good luck on the rest of the tour and um, congratulations on you know, another excellent album. Thank you very Thank much. You very much.
was Ride doing The Clouds of St. Marie off of their new album. This is not a safe place. You can pick that up at roughtrade.com or any Rough Trade store. West, East, Nottingham, Bristol, good old NYC. Uh, it's been such a treat to host the podcast this week while Emily's on holiday. Hopefully when she returns, she's not too disgusted by what I did with it. And I get a chance to do this again. Um, thanks so much for, for listening. And if you get a chance, maybe you might want to follow some of the Rough Trade NYC uh, social media. We, we have our own accounts on Twitter and Instagram. And, um, you know, thanks again for, for tuning in. And hopefully we'll, we'll catch you next time. See ya. Rough Trade Radio. Reviews and subscriptions help to support what we do. So if you like what you hear, then please rate us on iTunes.